Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Product Chat Series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Caligaris, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. And today we have with us Cindy Cruzato, one of our amazing certified instructors, as well as a proven executive leader in product management and marketing, a master swim coach, and we were just talking about a kick butt triathlete. Welcome, Cindy. Hey, good to see you, Rebecca. Good to see you. So I always love having you as a guest, and there's a ton of things that we could talk about, right? Yeah. Today, I think we're really going to pull on that executive leadership, the leadership background, and really dig into team culture, right? Uh, What does it mean? Why is it important? How do we set it up? Um, Because I think it's just, it's it's a topic that I'm A, very passionate about, but B, I think it's even more critical today when we have so many remote teams or hybrid teams that we really have to do this with intent. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think it's it's um, it's coming up in class a lot from individuals as well as uh, team leaders. From you know when we think about where their teams are at, you know it's it's coming up in a lot of different ways. It's on people's minds for sure. So really excited to to jam a little bit with you on it. Awesome. All right. So first, like let's just level set and let's talk about when we say team culture, what do we mean and why is it so important? Yeah. So team culture, well, there's lots of leadership studies around this. Uh, One one that comes to mind um, is the Project Aristotle that Google did trying to figure out why some of their teams were more successful than others. And uh, when we think about about that, the results of that study were that it really didn't matter the backgrounds, the skills uh, of the people on the team. What mattered more uh, was the um, uh, the how the team worked together. And so it's it's that understanding that I think intuitively we all know that we have to get along. But how do you participate in an environment when you're new to it? Uh, maybe when you're promoted into a role, you have come into product from a different part of the organization. You really don't know what the job is all about. You're a little nervous. How do you participate? And as a leader, you know, how do you create that kind of culture for your team? So it, it is, um, is what we call high performance teams. But at the end of the day, uh, what came out of that Google study, by the way, was five key factors in it. You know, at the top of the list was the idea of psychological safety Mm. and uh, making sure that people knew there weren't consequences, negative consequences for sharing an idea or uh, sharing a mistake or something like that. So I think at the end of the day, that's what people are thinking. How do I get to that? Yeah. Well, okay. So let's break that all apart. So uh, let's. Let's start with scenario one, right? Bob is new. Bob joins a team uh, and the team uh, is very cohesive with each other, but very different than the team he came from, right? So how is a new person on a team? How do you understand and then start to, to be part of an existing team culture? Yeah, I think as an individual, what you can do, um, and it makes sense as you're joining a new team is, is talk about and ask about role clarification. 
make sure you're on the same page that, that you know why you're there, they know why you're there. Uh, it, use that inquisitive and curiosity to make sure you know everyone on the team. And we, we have that common understanding then of who does what. And I think it leads to some of these next pieces. But in preparation for people joining the team, the team itself, the leader on the team can help incentivize this, can put some of the norms in place for that team. You know, we, we often call that a working agreement or a little bit of a social contract amongst us. Uh, I refer to it in class as the how we roll document. Uh, but if, you're, if, if somebody's coming into the team, uh, we want them to know, you know, this is, uh, you know, it's important to us to be prompt to every meeting, make sure you show up. If that's important, then we got to say that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's important that, um, you know, we reserve this time of the day for family and, and that's how we roll. So to protect that, whatever it happens to be, it doesn't have to be written down, right? It, it just has to be um, known and, and normed. So I think we can come at that for new people from different ways. And I think that's smart on both ways, right? One, I think the clarity of roles is often where tension happens on new teams, like unintended, uh, you know, yeah. tensions. You're like, I'm here to do this. And they're like, why is this person doing that? And, and so having those, those really clear conversations up front, instead of tripping into the problem areas, I think is a, is a great idea. Mm -hmm. um, and then to your point, I know we went on the, on the marketing and product team, we did a lot of hiring last year. Like we went from eight people to like, we're 24. And one of the things that you have to say too, is like, we're hiring new people because we want new perspectives and their expertise. That means they're going to question us about things and they're going to change things, but that's exactly what we want, right? That's there right. are our partners in getting better. Uh, we all know how a small team got where it is and it's amazing, but like, this is a, this is a, this is a plus one. Yeah. That could be in like really trying to set that up, I think is good. Cause because new people all come in with fresh ideas and sometimes like, yeah, we tried that, but. <laughs> right. That's right. Well, well, you know, when you, when you get to a number like that on a team, which by the way, well done, right. They're awesome. Yeah, it's a good team. Uh, you get a diversity of ideas mm -hmm. as well. And, and, you know, consciously getting that mix of different perspectives, but when it comes to psychological safety, we have to make everybody on the team uh, understand that it's okay to disagree. Yes. It's almost like norming and making okay conflict, right? And not interpersonal conflict, that, no, right? But when we, when we have different ideas, it's really not about consensus. It's about leveraging that beautiful uh, diversity that we have to get the right ideas. And, and sometimes we have to have a conversation that it's okay to disagree. Uh, and many different ideas on something um, as, as we start is, is what we're actually looking for, not just the best idea. Well, and I, I think that that's so true. And how do we, you know, I can't, you can't decree psychological safety, right? And you shall right. feel safe and you shall be okay. So what are some of the techniques that really set up that environment where it's clear that we want different uh, differing opinions and that the push and pull is healthy? that they feel yeah. comfortable doing it. Yeah, well, I think there's there's two elements that come to mind right away here. One is, um, is, is just that there's a common understanding of where we're trying to get to. We have the success metrics. We have the vision to rally around in terms of a roadmap. You know, I, I think everybody at the end of the day, we have to know where we're going. 
And when I think of product teams, one of the things that if you're a product manager, product marketer, and you're in this in this world, one of the things you can do um, around collaboration is ground the team in what is the problem we're trying to solve, right? Of course, we're mm-hmm. going to say that. But I think also, who are we solving it for? If we're talking about features and functionality, it is so easy to get distracted in the technical details. And and if we can just remind the team that at the end of the day, we all are trying to figure out what problem is best um, and who we're focusing on, it it has a way of getting us to all row in the same direction and maybe focus the discussion and the ideas around that. So so we we can do that. We should be doing that. It should be normal for our role on the team to have mm-hmm. people expect us to do that. But I also think as a leader, we we have to keep in front of the team what success looks like. Uh, I think there's another piece as a leader specifically, making sure it is it is okay to celebrate or discuss failure. Mm. You know, f- failure is not, uh, it, it, it should be something to be learned about. And I think that's, a, that's, that's something we know, but I don't think we practice it very much. I, I don't think in a, dis, in a team discussion, uh, there's enough comfort around exposing what really went wrong and what are we gonna do about it. I had somebody in class share when we were talking in build uh, around uh, team, they actually shared that it was a standing part of their team agenda. Whenever they talked about planning, they got into these quarterly business reviews. Uh, they spend a, a predictable amount of time on uh, what could they do better and specifically walking through failure points. I thought that was brilliant. Um, it's just, it just kind of brings it out into the open. So I, those are a few, a few ideas that come to mind here. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's the, it's a natural thing sometimes to try and uh, uh, hide them under, you know, hide your failure over there. But again, when we talk about them and then, and again, with much of this too, it starts with leaders. Like there's, there's no way as leaders, we don't make mistakes. Um, and, and when we can own them in front of the team, I think that's a really powerful, uh, a powerful example of it. And I also think, um, setting up areas and when they talk about them saying, oh, this is great because now we can, right. Helping them see that this is the way we're going to go forward is, is, is good. Yep. Yep. Having fun too. I think you are the absolute best <laughs> and having fun at work and with your team. I don't know what, what are some of the things that, that, that you do, but um, I think having fun along the way helps with everything we've talked about. It's true. And I think uh, I, I come from a big, big family of game players. So like, it's just natural. And to me, my team always sees me like, let me guess, you turned it into a game. And I'm like, well, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> um, but I think particularly when we started with COVID and the pandemic, it was like, oh, well, you really have to build these connections because COVID started and we started growing at the same time. So how do I take this really close team who's close because we went to lunches on Friday and goofed around in the hallway and how do I like expand this, right? Yeah. And so we do a weekly virtual lunches slash tea time because we've got people everywhere um, and we play any variety of game. Yesterday's we played, uh, we played the newlywed game. So I split them up into teams of two and they had to try and answer questions about each other. Uh, one of the favorites is house hunters quarantine uh, where one person on the team gets picked and we all try to sell them a house that we think they'd like to buy. Like we find houses 
on the market that we think speak to their personality. And I have like, they're a bunch of marketing and product people. So they, they're really good at like the little sales pitch. It's my favorite part is watching them trying <laughs> to sell these houses to people and be like, oh, but wait, there's more. I can imagine some of them knowing them. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. We've done uh, like art lesson, you know, I mean, we do a variety of different things, um, but it's so removed from work. Yeah. And their game. So people win and people lose and people give silly answers and we laugh at it and giggle at it in yeah. a way that is just safe. And it and you start to realize over time that that camaraderie and that that sort of safety net outside of work related really just allows yeah. them to have very open conversations about work. Yeah. Um, yeah. What that that, you, that is so creative. That's cool. I want to do that. It's so uh, much fun. <laughs> but one of the things that reminds me is, you know, in this in this study the that Google did, they found that uh, dependability mm. um, was one of the key factors here and getting to know your team, getting, you know, grounding in who they are, what motivates them gives people meaning. Mm. And it's very personal, right? When we, when we think about meaning, um, it could be financial security for somebody. It could be uh, that they're liked, that, that, that what they're doing is actually contributing to the greater good. Um, and it's, and it's, having fun like that, that gets people, um, to stay connected. So they feel those things. Yeah. So, so important. You know, it's interesting too. One, one, uh, let me share a little personal note here. One challenge as we went from eight to 24 for me, one thing I was really excited was to, to really build up, um, sort of a hierarchy and structure in the team, right? So there is a, there is a leadership layer under me, which has been awesome. But again, I really like games. Uh, and this is just something that I like, it's a natural place. So when we were a small team, very much the culture of the team, I think came down from me a little bit, right? I probably drove it more, but as you go to 24, you can't do that. And yeah. I've got people who don't report directly to me. And so it's great that the lady that I see every once in a while likes to play games, but does that really reflect culture then? Right. And so recognizing that I had to like overtly empower and remind the, the direct reports of me that what they love about this, they need to make sure they're instilling the yeah. next layer down was something that I, I think it was a little late to the table on getting, uh, but was really powerful once I did, because it can't just be me, right? It's gotta be like, are you reflecting these things? Are you talking about them? How are you doing it? Um, yeah. And that's been really great to see once I recognize. Yeah, no, that's so great that you recognize <laughs> that because as somebody comes on the team, you know, they, they get a little distant from feeling mm -hmm. comfortable sharing their, I made a mistake, you know, here's what I learned from it. They would never bring it up if they didn't have that baseline of, I know who Rebecca is and mm -hmm. I feel comfortable saying that. Yeah. Uh, we, we have, we have to remind ourselves to do that. You know, the, this reminds me on a product team, when we're working with many different roles, one of the things I love about designers is that they have just so many tools in their toolbox. And one of the things, as you can imagine, when they get a, a problem space that they have to start thinking through, ideation is something mm -hmm. they're, they're totally skilled in. And, and one of the techniques we talk about is the craziest idea you know, where we give ourselves permission to come up with things that are impractical, never going to fly, we'll never do it, never fund it, but we get the, the permission to do that. And what comes out of that is um, not only a little fun, of course, but we get to know each other. And who knows, we might actually come up with an amazing idea. 
um, through, through that. Uh, it brings us together. But why not do it when we're doing planning meetings, when mm-hmm. we're, you know, when we're working on a campaign, we're building the launch together. I think there's so much that we could bring into everything that we do as product team members because we work pretty much everywhere across the organization. It's, you know, I actually wrote that down, like, I'm going to do some ideating with my team as we're doing <laughs> 2022 planning. But it's funny because when we're working on the design course, uh, there's a lot of those in there and, and you're like, oh, this makes sense. But I don't think I understood the power of that one until I did it the first time. You're like, crazy ideas. This is, you know, using my creativity. But then you recognize that you've opened it up so much that when you go back and you start to put some bumpers in place, yeah. you're still your soul, your mind and your thinking is so much more expanded than yeah. if you started in the box and tried to move it a little bigger, right? It's yeah. a, it's a really fun way of just being like, okay, well, that's crazy, but I've, I've really opened up my thinking outside. This is what we always do uh, in a way that's, and you get some really creative answers on there, yeah. I think that are, that are fun to see. That's right. You know, it, it, I, I do have to say, you know, when we think about Naido activities, there's an element to this that, you know, I think we get a little academic as product leaders that I've got to get out of the market because I got to build the roadmap. I've got to, I've got to work on a timeline and a deliverable, and I've got to have the knowledge for it. But at the end of the day, also maybe equally important is that knowledge gives you the confidence to participate in that team. And if you're new coming into a team, you really do need to spend some time figuring out the market. It kind of gives you that platform to sit up and, and, and contribute, but you're also playing an important role in the team, getting back to roles and responsibilities. So it's, it's, um, it's playing an important part in culture and giving you the confidence to make an impact and be dependable as well. Uh, and, you know, setting concrete goals of how many different activities we're actually going to do. We, we like to say, try to get to 10 a quarter, uh, whatever we're doing, win-loss or other interviews or looking at usage data or trouble tickets, whatever we're doing, um, spend the time to do that. Uh, and one of the tools that I love to talk about in class that kind of gets to this, um, you know, reminder of diversity in what we're thinking about is the Nihito interview matrix. And that's just, that's something that a team can, can kind of pull together as well. Um, and, and, you know, it's the basis for why we're doing what we're doing and understanding, bringing that market understanding into it. There's a place for that too. It's interesting too, I, uh, having that sort of human centered, right? You're bringing in this research. It's all about the the users and the persona that human centered approach to your products, I would imagine has a very natural seep into the culture. If I care about the people who we're building for, I've already started to build that muscle. I've already sort of signaled that I, I am a caring organization. And I think that there's probably a really natural extension then to the team culture, because not only do they have that common vision that you talked about is so important, yeah. It is based on a person, a people, a feelings uh, in a way that is more easy to spread than, oh, a feature. It does. It does. It leads to better ideas because we know mm-hmm. who we've got that empathy. We've humanized them. You're absolutely right. So we've talked about newbies and what you can do. We've talked a lot about leadership, um, but probably the majority of people are, are in a spot that maybe neither one of those. So if you're in an organization, um, and, and, and maybe you're not a leader, but you're a team member, how can you help influence the, the, uh, the culture of the team and provide and start to build that safety even from, a, from the side if it can't come top down? Yeah, 
Um, I think what comes to mind right away as, as an individual is dependability, you know, being knowing your role, uh, clarifying it if need be, but knowing your role and getting your work done reliably. But for teams today, they most often have collaborative goals, shared goals as well. Like some teams use KPIs, others use OKRs or different ways of doing that. But also being that individual that leans in when others on the team are struggling a little bit with getting theirs, because you, you know that as a team, we're gonna succeed if we get to the big goal. Uh, whether it be for a sprint or something like that. Uh, and so being that person on the team modeling that leads to others modeling that as well. And it, it's, that, it's, it's that key dependability piece that, that is also equally important there as psychological safety uh, in getting to that. I, I was just going to say, I think that dependability, the consistency uh, is, is a really important part. It's how it builds trust because they know what to expect when they're dealing with you. Um, I was, I was talking to my, my 12 year old daughter the other day, she's in new school, she's making friends and she's like, well, some like me, some maybe not yet. I'm like, well, what should you do? She's like, I should be me. Like, it's right. Be consistently you Yes. and they'll figure it out and you, and you'll find the right spots. Um, and that's true. I think in in, uh, in work as well. Like they know what to expect. And again, it may not be how they would have ideally done it, but there's a consistency and a dependability that uh, that starts to enable that trust um, mm-hmm. that I think is really important. Speaking of daughters, mine is a programmer and you just reminded me uh, <laughs> that, you know, they're in two week sprints, they, you know, and uh, uh, she was working on a massive pointed ticket and she was sitting at lunch telling me, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm struggling with this ticket. And I'm like, well, have you asked for help? Right? And as soon as she kind of reached out, she had more offers mm. for leading in. Uh, and it was a big lesson to open yourself up mm. to ask as much as lean in to what somebody else is doing. Uh, yeah, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one, that's a good one as a leader too. Like yeah. as a leader, especially an early leader, you're like, I must know everything. And then you're like, I don't know everything. I hired people who know everything. So like, again, that open asking and the, and yeah. do is such a, a powerful way. And, and uh, we do forget, right. You're like, no, I can figure it out. And you're like, well, or. it's, and it also, um, you're demonstrating trust by asking for help, right? right. You're, you're saying, Hey, so it just makes it easier the next time for someone to reach the other way, uh, in yeah. asking for help. That's a great example. Yeah, yeah. You know, this also reminds me as an individual that's been part of a team for a while, you know, how the organization works. Uh, Often as a product manager or product marketer on that team, you have more opportunities to be in front of sales and support and you get to see the success. Uh, passing that back to your team, uh, you know, not being just the mm. face to the organization, but saying, you know, uh, Sarah on the team, uh, Joe on the team, did you know that they were the ones that worked on that? And, uh, you know, you know, helping your team see a little bit of the daylight there and then going back to the team and saying the our business results are, are really good. You know, uh, I think it's it's about getting the the work done in front of us for the phase we're working on, but also staying connected. And we as product leaders can have a pretty big role in helping our teams with that. Uh, both those are very true, right? Sharing the light and then also sharing the results and the feedback and the pieces because everybody 
it, it matters. And it, you do yourself a huge disservice as a leader if you don't do that. Yeah. Because someday something will happen and they'll be like, you know, whether we've got to cut teams or cut funding or mm -hmm. thing. And if you've not done that and also you're like, no, no, these people are really important. Yeah. Mm -mm. Right. So true. You've got to have that consistent. Plus, I mean, it's just, it's just being a good person and yeah. sharing there, but it's also, I mean, it's part of the growth. If you don't do that, yeah. then, then, you know, the rest of the organization isn't going to show them respect because you are not showing them respect. Yeah. Yeah. And we do live in worlds where there are many different product teams across the organization. And as, as that project Aristotle study said, you know, not all teams are working as effectively as others. So we can help the organization by modeling and showing what is it about a team that is successful. There's for, for a leader and a participant on the team, you know, we, we um, are creating examples, pilots of success that can be modeled across the organization too. Awesome. So um, just from a personal perspective, some of the teams that you've either uh, trained and coached or been on that you think were really good, what are some of the commonalities? What are some of the things you think, man, they did that right? Yeah. Well, you know, one team that comes to mind when I think about that is, is a team of complete newbies. They were formed into a team on a project because we had to get the project done. Uh, they didn't have previous experience in doing some of these roles. They were pulled into roles just because they had just fantastic domain knowledge or technical knowledge. And I think what I saw that team do was a little scrappiness uh, that it, it, it turned out to be a little superpower mm. uh, because there wasn't as much, you know, structure around that, that they had to conform to. They could make it up. They could get to know each other and bring their unique selves into this. And, uh, you know, my mind was all in planning and an objective setting and things like that. But what I saw them do with each other, I, I, I just was able to sit back and watch them work, do their work and be the leader. Um, I learned a lot from that. Mm. It's scrappiness was, was okay. I'm, I always like to say that was a big surprise for me. Um, but they, they all brought their unique selves and a level of confidence into it. And they knocked it out of the park. Um, that was a project where we beat the market. We were first to market on something and for at least six months, I think. And uh, that was re you know really, really rewarding. Well, and it, it was good leadership to to step out of the way and go, oh, okay, they've got this in a way that, you know, maybe in other teams, you would have put in more structure or other pieces, but to be able to pivot based on that is also, I think, a, a really good lesson. Um, mm -hmm. I, well, I also people. think I, I looked back on that years later in a very formal international company I was in and, and tried to encourage us to throw the process out the window and try to get back to scrappiness. But what I also learned was that the different individuals and the different contacts and a different culture don't work the same that that this culture we're talking about you can get to a better collaborative um, safe team but it's not going to be the same way you did it in the last organization on yep. the last team and I think as a leader uh, we do see teams that we work with that are working well and and some that don't and it's not doing the same thing it's doing it in a way that the team feels comfortable with and you got to navigate your way to that. So I think there's, as an individual leader, you can be a little you know, open to curiosity and failure and, and exploration. Uh, and it, it just makes a really good product leader and, and it leads to that kind of team. 
And it's very true, right? Just like uh, they talk about that with football coaches, right? Uh, they're the football coaches that have, this is my schema. I need players to do this. And the other ones who look at the talent in the NFL and are like, okay, this is the talent I have. What's the best way to go? And it is different. You know, I mean, I have a very, I have a very strong natural style, uh, but I have led teams and I've led the sales team. And that's not the style that works for that, that particular team I had. And I really had to pivot and it was, took much more energy for me to think that way because I am naturally like, let's play a game. Uh, but it, but it would have, uh, you have to find the way that, that works for them. And then the end result will also be different, but that doesn't make it bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, when you think about for, for you, when you think about, um, you know, psychological safety, you know, is there anything, any magic that, that you have done, you know, at any of the companies that you've been at um, that, that really got you there and got the team there? That's a great question. So I, I do think it's, uh, um, you know, I, I always say that we take our work seriously, but not ourselves. Uh, and that has to mean yourself as well. So I'm one of those people, like, you know, when you do something silly and no one hears you or sees you, like you trip, but no one saw you or you missay the word and no one caught it. I'm like totally the person who tells on myself. I'm like, look what I did. It was so dumb. And it's, it's silly, but again, it starts to show yeah. some of those pieces. And I, and I think that's been good. And then I am a firm believer in uh, perhaps even over transparency. So when we're making hard decisions, when we're not making hard decisions, really transparent about what's happening and why, even when I know they're, that they don't love the answer. Um, and I think both of those help them feel like there's not something they don't know, right? If, if I'm not pleased about something they know, uh, if we've not to deal with a, what a performance or behavior, we'll talk about it. Uh, and that, that took growth as a person because yeah. I, I no one loves I like everyone to like me you know I'm a normal person yeah. uh, so sometimes that conflict is hard and it feels bad but it is such a relief to the people that you manage when they don't have to wonder what you're thinking yeah it's it's so true yeah. I would 100% agree that that is just you right uh so you know and um and learning from our own selves our own silly self. I mean, as an instructor, I can't tell you how many times I put my foot in the mouth in front of <laughs> 50 people in the room. Uh, one, one day recently, like, stop. Did I actually just say that? <laughs> right? And, uh, and it had to do with, you know, thinking about, you know, companies that had a, a real mission and thinking about uh, uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream. <laughs> you know what I said? What? Jerry. Oh. <laughs> the cartoon. And I knew it as it just it came out. I'm like, no, okay. It's a Friday. It's a Friday. I've got uh, but I mind. totally get it. I do. <laughs> I do think it, uh, yeah, it, it helps everybody, you know, a little humor every now and then releases a little tension too. So Yes. Yes. Um, all right. Gosh, we talked about a whole lot of, of different things. I know always fun. And again, obviously one of my favorite topics. Um, and, uh, I have to say, uh, I have been a manager for a long time. I do thoroughly enjoy it. Not everybody does. That's okay. You can be successful and do other things. And it doesn't involve that. But I do think I have had the privilege of talking 
particularly to you and Diane, several times on the podcast about things. And every time I write notes, I'm like, oh, I should do that too. <laughs> uh, and Art Petty, uh, who you'll read, you can, people listening can find articles about him. And we've got, of course, he also just helps you, helped me continue to develop. So if, if this is an area that you're passionate about, we can always be better uh, and finding some good people that, that you can talk to about is, is, is to me really also helps me remember to think about it with intention. Yeah. Uh, Continuous yeah. learning and being open to it. I, I absolutely applaud that too. Yeah. And it's fun. All right. But lots of different things. If you were going to have listeners do two things differently tomorrow, based on what we talked about today, what would you do? Go invest in your own market knowledge. I know I'm talking to product team members. Just I hope I gave you, uh, you know, some more reasons to do it, you know, for connecting it to, to tech, uh, to team culture. Uh, and, and as you know, there's tools to help you do that. There's, there's, uh, you know, the worksheet around the HEDO interview worksheet. There's uh, craziest idea activity. There's things that we have that you can go in and look at, but, but also, explore the pragmatic alumni community for mm. things like that. Here you have just an incredible resource of people who've probably been on teams uh, like yours, maybe even in the same kind of industry, and uh, could give you ideas on, on how to build culture, how to uh, wh whatever the piece is that you would like a little bit more um, guidance on. So... Two of my favorites. No, and that's, you're right, that the uh, pragmatic alumni community is chock full of people who have been there, but also who are willing to talk about it and share they are. about it and be like, yeah, I had that problem. Here's what I did and it failed or, and here's what I did and it works much better, right? Both of those valuable lessons. <laughs> it's almost like you ask a question, you get more ideas than you'd ever expect, right? Yeah. So I do want to put a, you know, plug in there and make sure everybody knows it's a safe place and yeah. a really yeah. interesting place. So. And you're right. They've done a really good job of building that safe place in the community, uh, which as we've all do online and social media is not always the case, but that community is Mm -hmm. is a is a great Georgina and Rachel and Kelly do a great job they have aced yeah. it all right Cindy it was a blast thank you so much for coming on thank you wonderful always wonderful all right that does it for today's episode thank you everybody for listening and don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product your company and your career <laughs>